Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Emergency podcast. Emergency podcast. Well, not alert, that. alert, alert. Yeah, we'll go reactionary podcast. Six rings, six rings and football things back again to react to a combine press conference by Elliot Wolf. First and foremost, we need to thank our sponsors at FanDuel. Make every moment more. And this moment is more than interesting for oh, yeah. Patriots fans because Bill Belichick didn't really do combine press conferences. I believe twice in my tenure might be the number, but definitely few and far between. Patriots were generally in the range of three or four teams each year that wouldn't have representation at the podium in Indianapolis. Um, and now, did, Rowe, did Matt Rowe ever do it? Maybe last year? Maybe. I could forget because I wasn't there, but yeah, right. certainly the Bill Belichick power run was a couple different times. I think there was an 09 thrown in there and maybe one earlier in his tenure, but um, over the 20 basic years, it was only a handful. Um, whereas you'd get some teams that GM and coach both speak during the week, um, but that wasn't their way of doing business. We're not here to talk about that or criticize that. We're here to talk about the brave new era that is Elliot Wolf, Gerard Mayo. Elliot Wolf spoke at 10 a.m. in Indianapolis yep. Eastern Time this morning, and I thought it was a pretty interesting press conference. And we will continue to compare and contrast everything he says to Bill Belichick, Matt Grow, past years, past regimes and the way they went about doing business. But um, I think first and foremost, he made it quite clear, A, he's in charge, mm -hmm. that it's collaborative. Yep, Matt Groh, yep, Gerard Mayo. But in the end, if somebody needs to make a decision, Elliot Wolf 
one L, one T, will be making yeah. that decision. Um, and I thought he, in various ways, just emphasized the change, the new culture, whether it's a new grading system that is um, a little less nuanced and a little more just value and talent based, which we had heard with Alonzo Highsmith yep. coming in that there was going to be a Green Bayification. Uh, of the Patriots scouting department change. Yeah, somebody asked him about the Packer way. I was like, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, now we're just forcing things. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but no, so on the totality, it was, I don't know what it was, 15 minutes. I didn't record yeah, it. It was that, 20. a nice little chat. Um, there was some fun uh, anecdotes. He talked about his first combine 30 years ago, sitting with his dad and Bill Parcells at the 40-yard dash line, basically. Um, and Al Davis, I think, was there, too. Um, when he was 10 years old, I want to yeah. say he recalled and he's been there every year except the COVID year, but now obviously very different role running the Patriots. Mm -hmm. There were quarterback question and answers. There were, um, loosely veiled shots at Mac Jones. If you wanted to read them that way about body language and things yeah. of that, uh, that, but he also said they want to do right by them. So that was kind of interesting. It, it yep, was good. It was, it was and so I actually wanted to start with you because I think I logged on like a minute late. He was okay. he was t definitely talking because um, I had an issue. I don't know what was going on. You know, typical of me. Yeah. Um, I probably should have Tom Coughlin did and maybe logged on like 10 <laughs> minutes early instead of two minutes late. But, yeah, hey, it on. is what it is. Sorry. Um, That's two Tom say... Coughlin references between our shows over the course of like the last week. Uh, he's a pretty damn good coach. I mean, yeah. And I love as as late or not really late, but kind of late as I was to our show the other day on on uh, was that Saturday? I uh, I am usually a Tom Coughlin. I usually preach that just get there as Me early too. as possible. Just sit there and wait. You might as well yep. because then you're you're screwed. But absolutely. Anyway. Uh, unfortunately, when you deal with kids, I've learned that mm. uh, that's not always realistic because yeah. they drag you down and make you late. <laughs> um, but that's not the excuse today. Anyway, did did Elliot Wolf make a comment about? Um, being less of a hard-ass culture. Um, I think I that was – yeah, I saw it a few times. I don't think it was at the beginning, and I okay. actually think I logged off a little early because <laughs> Stacy said last question. And you lost interest? Heard, no, 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 no. I was interested. I heard the last one, but then I was already working on, like, getting it up for the website, and so I didn't hear that comment either, but I was there at the beginning. I didn't think I logged off at the very end, but I or I didn't think okay. I, I missed the end, but there so was apparently a comment on – uh, yeah, him saying that they want to be have less of a hard ass environment in, inside the building, which I thought was interesting. And I mean, shot or not, it's a reference to Bill Belichick's. Oh, talent. it's a shot. It's, it's a hundred percent shot. Okay, <laughs> so we've had ego references from yeah. Gerard Mayo. We've had less hard ass references. We've had the continued um, overall theme of relationships and and that um, part of the uh, equation. Now, the other thing is you and I not being there. I'm assuming there was a little side session. There generally is um, with these people. So, and and, and now that's most cities, most coaches, most GMs. It's just sort of the way the game is played. You do a press conference, then the local writers gather around to the side or in the hallway and talk to the GM or the head coach. That could have that stemmed from yeah. that um, little discussion. So the first thing I would say, if you were going to ask me my um, biggest takeaway, I guess that would be that I thought Elliot Wolf was really comfortable. I didn't, there was no nervousness. I didn't sense him like stressing. I thought he was up there answering questions pretty quickly and, and in a comfortable fashion. He tells it like it is. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, mm -hmm. and to me, something like that always stems from a place of confidence. 
And all these people that are worried about what he's going to do and he should trade down and you can't force this. Today, I got more confident that he's confident in knowing what the hell he's doing heading into this process. So that would be my big boring picture takeaway. Mm -hmm. Um, Weaponization of the offense was my favorite quote of the whole damn thing. Like, and hey, Andy Gresh, stick that in your big fat bunghole and shove it because he's anti-weapon. He's He's anti-wide receiver. He's everything. He hates Tyreek Hill. He hates the Dolphins. What have they ever won? He hates running quarterbacks. Well, the GM of the, whatever his title is, but the GM of the New England Patriots, I think it's funny. No one asked him. They asked what Alonzo Highsmith's title was, but I don't believe anybody asked. No, they asked him. They asked, they they asked him at the beginning when you were, when you were shuffling your papers. What is his title? He is, he said his title remains the director of scouting. Um, So they haven't reshuffled his or Gro's titles yet. I believe that that's probably just like, you know, logistical, like housekeeping stuff that they haven't done yet. Because if they do want to name him the GM, they do have to do a full search because right. you, and you need Rooney to rule. abide by the Rooney rule if you hire a GM. And so I think they're keeping his title for now. If they do open it up, they, they'll probably change it or they'll just I, effectively my understanding of it, seeing what everybody has said and done is him and Macro basically flipped titles and roles. Now grow is the director of scouting and Wolf is the director of player personnel, but they haven't really touched their titles. And so I think Wolf just said, yeah, okay. I'm still the director of scouting. Okay. And it doesn't really matter as long no. as the crap. Because he's the de facto GM. Right. And that's what this press conference essentially told us today. And they've never, I don't believe the crafts have ever had a GM going right. back to Parcells, going back to Bobby Greer, going back to Belichick and Pioli. And I don't believe they've ever had given out the title of general manager. And you know, I don't really care. All I need to know is, Who's sitting at the head of the table at the war right. room? And that's Elliot Wolf. When push comes to shove, if they can't agree, if there is a split decision, he has the veto vote. He has the last, well, well, that's, technically the crafts have the last. That's vote. what I've been worried about and sort of talking about ever since they said that they, or it was rumored that they weren't going to hire a GM. Well, if they keep using this word collaboration and then they they botch the pick and everyone says, well, who's at fault? And everyone's pointing at, at each other and saying, no, he said this, his, he said this. Today was the first time we actually heard from the source himself that, yeah, we're going to collaborate. Someone has to make the pick, and I'm making the pick. So I thought that that was the, the biggest takeaway from this, boring or not, was that, okay, we have someone, like you said, at the head of the table who says, well, okay, Macro wants this guy, Gerard Mayo wants this guy, I'm the tiebreaker, this is what we're doing, and here's why. And Kraft keeps saying, and Wolf said that you know the Crafts are going to have input, but they trust us and they want to hand it over to us. Kraft said it in the dynasty. Kraft said it, um, I believe, at one of his end of season press conferences, whether it was with Mayo or when Bill left, about you know holding someone accountable and being being able to have someone be held accountable for the decisions that are made for the organization. They now have that in Elliot Wolf, and I think that's very important. It doesn't really, I mean, of course, it matters who it is, but at the end of the day, I didn't really care who it was going to be as long as they put someone in charge. And clearly, they've done that at least personnel wise with Elliot Wolf. So. I was happy to hear that today. So you touched on it. I'll just quickly piggyback off that. I thought that craft answer was kind of interesting because it started with a, they prefer to stay out of football mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, good. So we've had a little line in the sand here. There's, and then now oh, they have opinions that they'll share, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, he interjected that. I have, he goes, they prefer to stay out of football, but they've been very supportive of Gerard and myself and macro anything we need. We've got in a lot of ways. I think they have opinions, which they'll share, 
But ultimately, it's down to Gerard and I. I thought him interjecting that which they'll share was pretty funny. But again, if they say, like, look, everybody's going to have opinions and every owner is going right. to say something. It's it's unhuman to not, you know, jut in and be like, well, we do need a quarterback and all oh, that guy's pretty fast and stuff like that. So if you, you mentioned Wolf's confidence, if he's confident enough to be able to take in that information, but also make a logical decision on, okay, you don't know what you're talking about or, oh, maybe you do know what you're talking about or we can use your input to a certain extent. That that confidence and that ability, he, look, he's earned the right to be a general manager, Elliot Wolf, in what he's done so far in the league. So him getting the opportunity, him being able to decipher what input he gets from what places and make a decision. Again, it hasn't happened yet, but as of right now, the, what he showed today, I feel like we're in a decent direction. Yeah, I would argue, and I've said this a lot, I think Elliot Wolf is the most qualified person of power in New England right now. Yeah. And I would include Jonathan Kraft and Robin Glazer in that fold. The only person that's more qualified is Robert Kraft. Been there, done that. He's been mm -hmm. through this um, whole operation for decades now. I do think Jonathan's probably taking on a little bit different, bigger role. Who knows how that plays out? But Elliot Wolf has worked his way up from 10-year-old doing 40 times with Bill Parcells right. and Ron Wolf. Um, multiple organizations, multiple regimes and ideas. Like he lived the stats-based world of Cleveland when he was there. Yep. He lived his dad's world in Green Bay. He lived the Belichick hard-ass, very specific whatever that he doesn't necessarily love. So he's he's tweaking it and changing yeah. it when he gets his chance. Like I love the idea of Elliot Wolf. I have no idea whether he's good. Right. Basically, it will all hinge on the third pick in this draft and what he does with it, mm -hmm. trades it, keeps it, trades up, takes a quarterback, whatever. Okay, the next thing I took away, because there's been this underlying, and I think Reese may have started it, but maybe the athletic, way back when, when we were mm -hmm. still like right figuring out the power structure, there was a report that, you know, there's some indication Wolf may end up, and, you know, as the guy in personnel, who has the power. Yeah. And if that happens, don't be surprised if tackle is an option with the uh, first pick. It was Jeff. Howe. It was at the, okay. Jeff, Howe. I got none of that today. I got none no. of like build from the trenches and old school. He talked about quarterbacks. He talked about weaponization on offense. He talked about speed and playmaking and everything on defense. He sounded like a modern football yeah. GM today and not a, yeah, Joe Alt might be the best player available at number three. And if you if you can get a good tackle, you always take – no, I didn't hear any of that. Right. So, Gresh, again, I'm not sure that Elliot Wolf is your guy because he sounds like he's ready to yeah. go modern. The part I will not disagree but kind of you know think about with that is that he wasn't really asked about the tackles either. I know. He, like someone, someone broached Marvin Harrison Jr. and the quarterbacks were broached to him. And so then he went on to say, yeah, you need quarterbacks, this, that, and the other thing. And Marvin Harrison's great. And, but I guess to your point too, when he, he was at, weaponization. well, he, he was asked overall, tough, strong, yeah, powerful right. front. he was asked overall about like the Patriots new philosophy. And he was, he did, he mentioned weapon on offense and weaponizing on offense. And then he did mention, you know, being faster and more aggressive on defense, which is the stuff that DeMarcus Covington touted last week which does tell me that the collaboration is off to a to a pretty good start down there at Foxborough. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm with you on the tackle. Like it doesn't, he didn't say, I feel like if that was a thought in his head, he probably would have mentioned, oh yeah, there's some guts, there's some big tough guys on the trenches too. And that was, because it's a good tackle class. Right. Like he could have chose to interject either philosophically power football trenches, sure. linemen, tackles, or just 
in sort of the assessment of the class. And I, I didn't think he did. I think if you are a believer, the Patriots need to be a little bit more modern in what they do and how they approach the game in terms of playmaking and quarterbacks and receivers and weapons. I think you probably heard things that you liked yep. from Elliot Wolf today. Um, so I want to interject with a few questions here and then we can get back to yeah. the, what our reactions. Cause I took a bunch of notes and there's still a bunch more things I'd like to check off. Um, so Jeff Stenberg asks, um, is trading the third pick really an option? Doesn't it have to be a QB getting more O-line and skill players won't matter if no one is under center to get them the ball. Okay. So Elliot did say some, I forgot the exact word, but everything's on the table. Like yeah. he said, they haven't really taken calls yet, which, which kind, of, kind of flies in the face of the Vikings report out of the senior yeah. bowl, which to be fair, wouldn't have been a call would have probably just been a person-to-person -person interaction between two humans standing on a football field. So, okay, Elliot, I see what you did He's already there. learning you know, the semantics. He learned one thing from Belichick, and it was the semantics game in the press yep. conference. Um, so the idea of a trade, and it's going to get fluffed up. If you're talking three first-round picks, if you're talking Justin Jefferson, the things yeah. that have come into the narrative, the discussion the last couple of days, that's going to be at least a consideration. You have to have a meeting and sit down with your people, whatever. Absolutely. But I don't think it's as much about the trade as I still get back to who's the guy available at number three, who is one quarterback, two quarterbacks, whatever it is from that top group of three. And how do you feel about those one or two guys? Right. If you if you believe they are potential franchise quarterbacks and not guarantees, there's no guarantees, potential, just like Marvin Harrison is a potential franchise wide receiver, not guaranteed, good potential, but whatever. If you believe that one of those is a potential franchise quarterback, I still think you have to you have to pick stick yeah. and pick because it's just too important. We talked about it, and everybody can go on over to the Six Rings feed where we did our first prospect podcast yeah. yesterday with myself, Mike, and Chris Scheim. Broke down the quarterbacks and where we kind of had differences of opinion on their talents. Afterwards, I found it fascinating that. While Chris Shime Time Shime was promoting Drake May as the greatest quarterback in the history of the planet. <laughs> um, what's his name? Merrill Hodge is like yeah. the guy's inconsistent. He's not that good. And Merrill Hodge has a pretty good history with quarterbacks. Yeah, I know fluffing up his Johnny Manziel takes back in the day and different yep. things. So um, that doesn't mean anything. Just part of the rhetoric to have out there to talk about. Um, but have you, did anything you hear today? Did, are, are you still, where are you on the trade idea? I don't. Nothing I heard today changes my thoughts on if they should or shouldn't trade the pick. Um, I think that I'm with you as far as – I mean, it's going to depend on where where they have these guys graded and ranked, right? Because if 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 there's a gap for them between a guy like Drake May and Jaden Daniels and they just take Daniels because he's the quarterback, like I don't think that's the wise option. But if they grade this thing out and they're okay with all three, then you absolutely take the guy. I don't think they should reach. It's going to depend on – how they, again, how they grade them out, and we're not going to know that, but ultimately, if they think that they can get their franchise guy, and they, they're confident in all three of the top guys, then they should absolutely take whoever falls to them. But they should not reach on Drake May or Jaden Daniels if they don't feel as confident as the other two. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you read a lot, and I try to skim and read, and we're starting to get top 50s and top yeah. whatevers. Most people, I don't want to say everybody, because have the three quarterbacks somewhere in the top 
six or seven, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, I saw Matt Miller put one out today and he had receivers higher than most. He had yeah. like three Daniel, receivers. Daniel the- Jeremiah too. Like Daniel Jeremiah has Roma Dunze from Washington as his third overall prospect. So like- Okay. So there's some of that, but if a receiver is three and Jaden Daniels, let's say is seven. Correct. To me, that's not a reach. Oh, I would agree because with you. When you put, it's like a weighted GPA. You know how mm-hmm. kids end up with like a four or five and you're like, wait, I thought four was the best. Yeah. Well, no, because he took an AP cl- course. So he gets weighted and bumped up. To me, when you're grading a quarterback, it's like that AP bump. 100%. Because he's worth more. And that comes into uh, Skinny Pete. Good for you, Skinny Pete. <laughs> um, I'm Skinny Andy after Awaken 180, our friends over there. Um, so what is the best value at three if the new system is going off value picks? That's where I think value to me implies not just skill ability grade but okay he's the best at x but it is is it as valuable as y correct that's that bump you talk about at quarterback receiver cornerback like there's other positions that i think you get you know if quarterback gives you you know 2x then wide receiver might give you 1.5x cornerback might pass rusher might give you 1.3x whatever however that is factored in um but I definitely think the seventh, a quarterback number seven overall is more than in range to take number three overall. Yes. If you need the quarterback kind of right. thing. Right. I'm the only, my only point was that if there is a, like if they have it, again, their draft board isn't going to be the same as guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Matt Miller, obviously. So if they, from what they see and what they, you know, what they look at in their pre draft process, if they're just not as high on a guy like Jaden Daniels, don't just take them and they won't like because that's sort of their process but what I'm I would probably take Jaden Daniels but if they don't feel convicted in that they shouldn't just take them because everybody else thinks they should correct and that's where you enter into trade down figure right. it out hell if you play it right and trade down now you never know but maybe the team trading up doesn't like Jaden Daniels either right. and, and is thinks one of these receivers changes They're just going everything for the wide receivers that everybody right. loves and then your value chart has Jaden Daniels at seven and you like that better that's why I kind of like this value thing because they could make a move like that and still land their their Jaden Daniels at the sixth or seventh pick right um uh one of the topics he did talk about and I'll get into uh Nicholas Leonard's question. Um, Mike Onwenu, he was very praiseful of Mike Onwenu, called yeah. him a core player, a foundational piece, like a, a couple different phrases really um, enhancing his uh, view of what he is. Um, so just joining, do you think after Elliot's comments on Mike Onwenu, it is more likely he stays or is is it more of a bailout if he leaves? Yeah, we wanted, but did not work out. So that's the Red Sox mentality. We'll yeah. tell you we were in on it. We tell you we liked the guy and then tell you, well, you know, it just didn't work out in the end. And unfortunately, it was also the Bill Belichick comment on the on Jacoby Myers two years ago. He's like, yeah, we wanted him, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. So I trust Elliot. Well, I think Elliot Wolf wants Mike Onwenu. I think he's Same. a little bit more transparent. Um, he t- he praised his intelligence and, and that he doesn't think it's going to be an issue working with him on the contract after he reportedly canned his agents. Right. Um, I feel so to answer the um, the question from Nicholas Leonard, I, I feel a little bit better about so Mike on when staying after listening to Elliot Wolf. And I've had him atop my free agent want list all along, I think. That as much as I mocked stability in the trenches and O-line and everything earlier, I think you can write a check to him, not use up too much of your spending, and bring some some 
continuity or, or some stability to your line. If you now say, okay, I got Cole Strange, I got David Andrews, I got Mike Onwenu, I got So or whoever else, it's like now you're piecing together a line right. and you're only maybe one chip away instead of multiple chips that are hard to find. So, well, you I, can loop that into what we were saying too about Wolf not really being or mentioning tackle at the top of the draft, right? Because if he assumes and thinks and wants to truly try and keep Mike Onwenu in the building, then they don't need to worry about grabbing a tackle at number three as much as they would if they don't retain Mike Onwenu. So like if if in his mind he's thinking, oh no, Mike's going to be back, and he also mentioned that they may be able to use the franchise tag on, and he said that there's those are all options on the table. They're going to use anything because they want to retain both Onwenu and Kyle Duggar. Then I feel like he... It, they're going to work to actually keep Mike Mike on the team because, again, if if he wasn't here, he's probably thinking, oh, oh crap, we're going to need a left and a right tackle, so we might need to take one at number three. Um, okay, so but we're going to keep going with the questions. They're uh, actually flowing in nicely. Yeah, appreciate the interaction for uh, from our peeps. Um, anything else that I know you blogged a little bit about this, some yeah. of the things you touched on, some of the quotes, whatever uh, topics you think were uh, important from Elliot Wolf's press conference? Um, they're meeting with the top three quarterbacks. I think that was, I guess it's fairly obvious, but it's also an important nugget to share that he did say that they are in fact meeting with Caleb Williams, Drake May and Jaden Daniels this week. Um, so keep that on your radar. They are going to, you know, for, for people who think that they're just not taking a quarterback because they're the Patriots and they're not going to do their due diligence. They absolutely are because they're meeting with those guys. Um, he has final say. I'm just looking at my notes. They're meeting with the top guys. The Onwenu stuff I said too, like I, I think that's important to note that they're going to work to try and keep him and that they're not just throwing the franchise. Like there were a lot of times where the franchise tag would be an option for the Patriots and they just didn't use it for one reason or another. Or another. But Wolf saying that they're, they're going to use that as an option for Onwenu and Duggar, um, I think is important to note. Uh, besides that, um, his quote about traits he looks at in a quarterback, I thought was was noteworthy, saying that someone that can elevate his teammates, teammates want to play for, and that leadership and then the physical and talent's important. So I don't know. You talked about it being a shot at Mac Jones. That was also more so the body language thing where he said, you know, you don't want guys throwing their arms up and being, you know, pointing at guys on the sideline. And that's pretty much what Mac Jones has done for the last couple of seasons. So. Yep. That seems a little bit like a shot, at least the body language one. As far as the elevating teammates and stuff, Mac hasn't really done that. So that's not really a shot. That just that's just fact. Right. Um, so I, again, I, I look at all his comments, wrap them up in a bow, and it tells me that they're gonna strongly consider taking a quarterback at number three. So that was my sort of takeaway and you know, everything else from this. Absolutely. I think they're gonna strongly consider if I was gonna bullet point a few takeaways, strongly consider a quarterback at three. I think they're very much in that market. Um I think Mac Jones is gone. I thought those were less than um, flattering comments and illusions. I think Mike on Wenu is probably going to be back I, or they yeah. want him back. Now, if he asks for something stupid, I guess yeah, right. that won't happen. But I, I think they are prepared to pay Mike on Wenu good money to return to the new England Patriots. Um, I did like Wolf talking about the sort of draft develop, extend players. Um kind of style from green bay which i we've talked about it they weren't real big believers in free agency for a long time right um it's about doing your due diligence draft time developing those guys re-signing re those guys keeping those guys those are core guys um and him talking about playing younger players now as part of this regime which mm -hmm. 
to some degree, I think is obvious when you're in a rebuild, you generally play younger players. You got to figure out how you have and whatever. But, and again, I don't necessarily think that's a shot. Bill probably leaned veteran, probably leaned dependables and guys he knew and could trust and knew what they were doing. And I do think that's part of the whole scouting system now is not the idea that I need a guy that I know exactly what he's going to do on third and long and slot corner and blah. Like, no, we want some athletes. We want some guys that can play in various situations, in various roles. And I think that all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, And then at the tail end of that, where he said draft, develop, and extend core guys, he had a weird comment about honesty, respect, and treat people the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, which again, I, it was filled with Belichick shots. This whole thing that's was what, filled like, with Belichick shots. Okay, so because I'm trying not to take it that way and be like, "Oh, you guys in the media always looking for controversy," but but when you say stuff like that, it's how do you not take it that way? And same with the hard ass, the the, the hard ass comment he said too. Like it's just, and the fact that they he said something too when they asked him about um, the new grading system. And he's like, yeah, it's so much easier. Like, it's just like, it doesn't strain your scouts and other stuff. Like, it just seems like he's just, and he wants to do away with, you know, the Belichick mode, at least from the drafting and scouting. And look, I like it. Like, and the shots, maybe they, you don't need them, I guess, but because he did, you know, give you a shot and he developed you as a, as a scouting guy here and trusted you, whatever. But yeah, it it was, it was filled with Belichick shots. I'll just call it like it is. And you know, the, phrase i live by the truth is never mean right like i don't think he said anything untruthful today like right no 100 percent. the patriots were a hard-ass culture the patriots didn't always seemingly treat people the right way and some of that isn't just like oh you're a jerk some of it is philosophical you brought up jacoby myers treating him the right way right. is not allowing a million dollars to end the relationship is finding a way to keep an undrafted guy who was a core locker room guy and just like everybody loved him treating people the right way is making sure that guy is rewarded. Right. Um, and so like, I think some people will say treat people the right way is like, say uh, thank you when they hand you your dinner roll in the, in the dining room. <laughs> yeah, which right. is it is it too. But, like, yeah, but I think it's more reward people when they do things the right way organizationally and work ethic and, and, and though, and you know, maybe it costs you an extra $500,000 than you really want to spend, but is there a return on that investment in terms of the culture and the way other players look at that and the hierarchy of the locker room or whatever. So that's kind of how I took some of that. And that's where I would say, I feel like Mike on Wenu, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you're more day to day Patriots beat guy at Gillette. Is there a black mark against Mike Onwenu? I don't think so. Okay. Then I think some of that is draft, develop, extend guys, oh, sure. treat yeah. them the right way. To me, that's a, we got to sign Mike Onwenu. Like, we yeah. need him. We want him. Why would We, we drafted him. We developed yeah. him. Yeah. Right. Like, why he would we He came in like, as a sixth-round pick. Yeah. Did everything guard, he was asked for. Played guard, played tackle. Does everything. Just does what he's asked of. Is not Get an that guy a bag. Not, right. Like, is not our left tackle. And he wants to be here. He told right. Sophie Weller that, you know, he wants to stick around and he wants to stay. And he, he was, you know, he was built here and he wants to, you know, continue to be here. Like, and that's the same with Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers was basically the same way as on one who did what he was asked, was a late round or undrafted pick rather, bought into the Patriot way and wanted to be here. 
and they stiffed them on the way out. And so they have to change that with Unwenu. Now, the one thing I will say is it's probably twice as much money for Mike Unwenu as opposed to Jacoby Myers. No, you're right. True. But but I think that comment was not as much about Belichick, and it was, but about the culture they want and the way they want to work it. And I think Mike Unwenu is an example of that. Certainly Kyle Duggar could be another example of that. Um, and I found it interesting that Wolf brought both those guys up in terms of the franchise tag. Yep. I don't believe he brought up Hunter Henry in terms of the no. franchise tag or, or some other option. So in his mind, that might be the two that are considerations, whether they use it, don't use it, whatever. Um, so I wanted to uh, trading with the Vikings doesn't. This is Alex Martinez trading with the Vikings doesn't make. Or, he says Vinnings, but look at me, the professional. I just read it as Vikings. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't make You've sense. Been around the me. block, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> In a draft that is stacked with wide receivers, why grab another team's leftover? Take one of these wide receivers and develop them into core players. Okay, so I kind of is agree he calling with- Justin Jefferson a leftover. That's where I I <laughs> turn for the you know okay. hills and get away from this comment. But okay. I kind of agree with him. There's a lot of receivers out there, so you're going to trade. And I don't know what the trade would be. And I I talked with our buddy Kevin Stone on New England Football Journal last night about this. If I'm giving up one first round pick in in, in the evaluation, because some people are pairing this all together, like the Vikings and Patriots pull off a monster deal with first round picks, Justin Jefferson, the number three pick, all of that. But if what I'm pulling off essentially values at Justin Jefferson at two first round picks in the deal somehow, mm-hmm. then I'm not doing it because now it's that's basically the franchise tag. I'm giving up two first round picks and now I got to hand him $150 million. Right, right. Nope, not doing it. One first round pick, maybe I'm listening because he's not a what's the word he used? Leftover. Um, he's the best wide receiver in the game. <laughs> absolute stud. Right. And who your quarterback is now becomes the major question. And I think that's a legitimate question because. I do believe you could hand Justin Jefferson $150 million and he's happy in New England. Oh, this is great. And then a year and a half later, he's like, we suck. I don't get the ball. The quarterback blows, whoever it is, and he wants out. And right. like you have an unhappy receiver. Um, so I, again, would tend to go with the overall tone of Alex's um, question, draft a quarterback. And whether you're Jim Nagy or whoever, there's this draft is littered mm-hmm. with wide receivers. Second round, third round. You're going to, you if you do it right, you can find an impact, maybe not Justin, probably not Justin Jefferson, right. but an impact receiver um, to pair with your quarterback, much the way Tank Dell was an impact receiver, much the way Puka Nakua was an impact right. receiver. Like, find the right guy for your quarterback, your system, your locker room. Um, so are you pr- yay or nay on a potential Vikings trade and the idea that Justin Jefferson could be included? I mean, the the way it sort of worked with guys like Joe Burrow and Tua and Josh Allen is, I guess Burrow's a little different because they drafted Jamar Chase, but like you have to pair your young quarterback with a stud number one wide receiver. It gives them a security blanket. It gives them a guy they can work with every single day and trust and know that if crap hits the fan, I can just throw this guy the football. And it helped Josh Allen and it helped Tua to an extent in Miami and it helped Joe Burrow a ton to have a guy like Jamar Chase and T Higgins, um, you know, to throw the football to and, and develop alongside. So if on one hand, you're going to take a quarterback at number three, you're not really going to have that number one wide receiver who, you know, is, is, is proven like some of these other teams have had. Um, But if you trade back and do grab Justin Jefferson and you take a guy like JJ McCartney or, or McCarthy or Michael Penix or somebody like that, 
and you pair him with a guy like Justin Jefferson, yeah, you should absolutely try and do that. Um, having said that, and what you said about Justin Jefferson and any wide receiver, it's not just a Justin Jefferson thing, is, well, these guys want to perform. They want to continue to put up numbers. They want to create value for themselves to get that next contract and that next contract. So if he is sitting here and the quarterback they bring in stinks, he can't get in the football. They sort of build the offense not around him. He is going to leave and get pissed off. And I mean, you've seen that with Stefan Diggs. You've seen that with other guys, but you can't go into it with that like attitude because the hope is he does turn into Tyree kill and Jamar chase or whoever not really turn into cause he's on that level, but he ends up as the quarterback's de facto number one. You try, you get what I'm trying to say here. Like you need to, you, you, you can't go into it and thinking, well, Justin Jefferson is just going to leave here pissed off in two years. You got to think of it. no, He's going to go win a Super Bowl with J.J. McCarthy, and he's going to you know, put up 2,000-yard seasons every year. So, You struggle with that name, huh? Yeah, because I think of T.C. McCartney, the Patriots quarterback coach. J.J. McCarthy, T.C. McCartney, it, it all goes in the brain and it doesn't come out the right way. So we'll, we'll work on it, especially when it's when it's T.C. McCartney and J.J. McCarthy's offense in a couple of years with Justin Jefferson running running the show. Yeah, I don't know what I think about that plan. Yeah, I don't As either. much just- as... J.J. McCarthy has grown on me. Mm-hmm. I'm still dubious of him being a franchise quarterback, and I don't want to – I'm trying to – I prioritize the franchise quarterback. You know that? Yeah, yeah. And I just – it's the way way of modern football. It's overly simplified, but it is what it is. Um, and J.J. McCarthy, as much as he's growing on me, I'm still not sold. He's a franchise quarterback, and I no, still – No, I agree. I think there's a chance the top three – that's my, like – um, bold prediction for this draft. I continue to go back to it. Is that the top three are going to be franchise guys quarterbacks? Pan out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And everybody else blows. And this idea of trading down and getting the fifth best quarterback and Michael Penix and Jay gets it alters the narrative moving forward. And it will right. cost teams in the future if that's true, because then people will convince themselves that every year the top three are all franchise QBs. I don't disagree um, with this comment. <laughs> sorry, I just can't get behind any player if Cadillac can't pronounce his name. <laughs> It's true. Fair. How's Drake May? Did I get that right? I like Drake May. Yeah, me I too. I like Drake May. I think it has um, to be Drake May. I think he's got to make it. Hurt. I thought and, the guy was going to take a shot at you for your like um, Juju Smith Schuster, Mike Gesicki. Uh, oh no, that's takes I'm, from I'm the learning. summer. Yeah, those, those were tough. <laughs> we'll uh, um, we'll rebound. One thing I found interesting says Nicholas Leonard again um, regarding the grading system. You think they'll be more in line with consensus boards and take best player available more often? Yes. In general, like I think teams do their own scouting and drafting. And I think, you know, sometimes you hear the arrogant guys in the league like Lombardi. Well, teams like this guy a lot more than the media likes him Mm and the draft name, blah, 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 blah. But I do think in general, because what it sounds like Wolf is describing is more in line with best player available. And Belichick didn't do that. He had more specific roles for a lot of guys. I always go back to um P.K. Sam was a receiver out of Florida State. They took in like the fifth round. Mm-hmm. And Bill's breakdown, which came later, I think, in maybe Michael Hawley book or one of the books, was like how excited he was about P.K. Sam. And he said, if we hit on this, we have our red zone target for the next five to seven years. And he didn't say he was a great receiver. He just had a role like he's going to be our red right. zone wide receiver. I don't. I think Elliot Wolf is more like, yeah, that guy might work in the red zone. But if we hit on this guy, he's going to be our receiver. You know what I mean? Like that little difference yeah, yeah. of not filling out a specific role if you nail it, but filling out what he can be overall as a player. 
my more modern example on that is the Cole Strange pick at 29. Like you you could have got a franchise guard and in, in Cole Strange and Sean McVay and uh Les Needs said it that night. Like, oh, we were looking at him in the third, fourth round. Right. Like I at that point, you did not take the best player available. You drafted for need at and grabbed probably your best guard on the board at pick 29 because you needed a guard when you probably could have got whatever, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it was at 29 at the time, receiver, corner, like Trent McDuffie was, you know, the big one that yep. they passed on McDuffie instead. Um, and then they take Strange. Well, they could have got Strange even in the second round. Like you could have taken Strange with your second round pick and you would have been fine and you would have filled another need there. And so that's the more modern example of them definitely not drafting uh you know, the best player available. Ashley J. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. I did think there was some pretty clear shots at Mac Jones and his makeup. And I took it the same way you did that. He uh, uh, actually the first part of your comment, Elliot took shots at Mac Jones. Looks like he'll be traded or a third string QB next season. No, I, I think he'll be traded. Um, the interesting thing will be what you can get for him. Um, my guess is a swapping of late round picks or something like that, where you send Mac in a mm-hmm. seventh to San Francisco for their sixth round pick. And, they can try to rehab his career and that QB friendly scheme. And maybe he should have been there all along that idea, but I definitely actually um, had the same reaction that you did. Yeah. That. I think Mayo's done with uh, Mac. I think Elliot Wolf is done with Mac. I just think it's now trying to get something for that asset. And that's why they're not flat out saying, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to release him as soon as the new league year starts. Why would you ever tip your hand? Try to try to salvage something. Kind of funny, too, how at the beginning when asked about the number three pick in the QB room, he's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about these guys in the media and we're going to do right by them and things like that. And then he's like, but we need guys without body language and throwing their hands up in the air and pointing at people on the sideline. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of talking about Mac Jones in a in a way that's not directly calling him out. And he's a smart guy. Like, he can't pretend right. he didn't know when he says something like that, it's going to be looked at from the viewpoint of, oh, Mac Jones did that. Mac Jones has been right. doing that. Like he's not, he can't play dumb. He knows exactly. how it's going to be received. He's been around football, sports, sports media long enough to, to know how it is. So, okay. I guess if we're going to wrap this up as we hit the uh, 40 minute mark, just about here, reacting to Elliot Wolf's scouting combine press conference earlier this morning in Indianapolis, a rarity for the Patriots and certainly continuing to set the tone for the new era of new England football with Gerard Mayo and Elliot Wolf uh, setting that tone. Elliot Wolf letting us know that he has final say in terms yep. of personnel, that it will be a collaboration. But in the end, somebody has to make the pick. It'll be him. He, I thought, spoke from an area of confidence. Pretty much everything he discussed, whether it was the scouting system, references to what they're looking for in players in general, quarterbacks, the whole thing. And that would be my big picture takeaway. I liked everything I heard from Elliot Wolf. I feel better about him as he embarks on spending $100 million and figuring out what the hell to do with the number three overall pick. And I think there's a very good shot he's sticking weaponization side of things with the pick and looking for talent and athletes. I think he's looking for a quarterback. Now he just has to convince himself that the guy that's on the board at three is worth it. Yeah, I'm with you. He took, and I'm kind of reading off Alex, our friend Alex Martinez in the chat, but he took command of the press conference and he was like, this is, you know, basically my team and I have final say and we're going to collaborate, but I'm the man in charge. And I like that. I like that, you know, it seems like they have a sense of direction. So if we're going to just going to take everything and what he said at his word um, and sort of use this to project out the the rest of the season and beyond, then 
I like the direction we're headed because Elliot Wolf seems like a guy that you can at least trust, um, you know, to, to run the front office. Okay, so that's going to do it. This is Six Rings and Football Things. He's Mike Cadlick. Jump on over to weei.com, read his recap of Elliot Wolf's comments. I will probably have a column on Wednesday morning, you know, sort of righty. with a leaping off point from Elliot Wolf and some of his comments today. It might sound similar to some of the things you just heard. Might have a little bit of a new spin on it after I do four hours of radio with Rich Keith and interact with Ooh. fans and get what the uh, the Patriot Nation folk are reacting and thinking from Elliot Wolf. As always, Six Rings and Football Things is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Please subscribe, rate, review, yep. tell a friend. We love doing these live things with the interaction, the questions, and the comments on the side. We are trying to grow the community that is Six Rings and Football Things. We're about relationships here. We're about people. <laughs> We're about treating We're people nicely sometimes. We're the Patriots front office and the Patriots Absolutely. For the, in the podcast community. Can I be Elliot Wolf? We want to collaborate. Yeah, I'm going to be Elliot Wolf and you be, because uh, I've been around a little longer, and you can be Gerard Mayo, the young gun, the up-and-comer, the guy ready for the job. Perfect. So. Relationships. And Fitzy's Matt Grow. He's been around for a while. We're not even sure if he's going to stick around for all of it. Why is he still here? What's he doing? What's his role? We'll figure that out on the fly. Yeah. But for Nick Fitzy Stevens, for Mike Cadlick, I'm Andy Hart. Six rings and football things. We will be back at you later in the week. And as I mentioned yep. earlier, please check out our quarterback prospect podcast with Chris Scheim. I think you'll get as detailed uh, an opinion base on the quarterbacks available as you'll get anywhere from a Patriot perspective with a little passionate arguing for various guys throughout. So uh, again, read Mike Cadlick, listen to six rings and football things, and we will be here every step of the way, this critical Patriots off season. See ya. Bye.